0: Well, today I wanna share a very special, personal anniversary in my life and how it impacts all that I do to this day. This is Truth To Ponder with Bob Beerman. The other day I came to a realization that I'm fast approaching an anniversary in my life. And with all that's been going on over the past couple of years and also in recent days, with this health issue that I'm, I'm dealing with as well. I almost forgot. It was almost about to sneak up on me and then over the weekend, it hit me. It hit me that July the 5th, July the 5th, 2022, marks the 25th anniversary of my ordination into the ministry. And what a change it made in my life at that point. Because, see, I was a little bit later in life to answer the call to ministry. And I want to share just some things on today's program about how God uses us, how God calls us, and how to serve Him better than we ever have before. And how to trust Him more and more in the times that you don't know what direction you're supposed to go. Here I'm doing a program on on following God's leading today and how to serve Him. And even, even right now, we are at a crossroad. My wife and I and just so many things are at this crossroad. Our nation, where God would have us to be, what I should be doing with the remainder of the time that our Lord grants me on, on this life, in this life, on this planet, And also also how to find that peace of God which passes all understanding in the turbulence that we see. Now over the weekend, I spent a lot of time talking with a, a younger clergyman and he is the age now that I was then when I was newly minted, as they say, into the ministry. And how I got there When I look back, it is only God could have put this together for me. 25 years ago, I had the opportunity of getting to a church in the community called Timonium, Maryland, just north of Baltimore. And it was the culmination of my grandmother's prayers for many, many, many years. Literally from the time that I first arrived in that family, they felt there was a call on my life, and they prayed about it diligently for years. And I'm sure as I launched into my life, after I finished high school, then went on to school, uh, trade school, then college, I'm, I'm sure they felt a little bit disappointed that I never followed that calling. That they thought that I had in my life to to be in the ministry. Now I'll admit that I, I knew at a very young age that I had this calling on my life. I don't know why, but I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that's the only way I can put it as I look back over the years. I felt this affinity to the church. I felt that I belonged there. I felt that I belonged in a pulpit of all things. And you have to understand that when I was younger, I was rather shy. I didn't see myself as a public speaker at all. Yet somehow my grandparents, in particular, saw that in me. They saw that trait. They saw something about who I am and that calling. I can remember probably in the sixth or seventh grade. I would I would think probably the seventh, it could be as late as the eighth. I can remember talking to the pastor of the church where we attended. And this was a rather large church in New York in Long Island. And I I asked him, I said, How do you know if God is calling you to be a church pastor? And he said, you'll know. And he said, you'll you'll feel this. And I'm trying to remember the exact words that he used. I can kind of remember. You'll feel God's hand nudging you in that direction when the time is right. And then he encouraged me to, you know, be diligent in my studies through middle school, which was junior high back then, and high school, and then consider one of the You know, Christian colleges of our denomination and then eventually seminary. And, you know, that's how it normally goes. A lot of pastors, they they start out being raised in a church by their family. And then they go on to a Christian college. And then, like I say, seminary. And then they're put into a church. And this is the only life they ever know. But God's plan for me was rather different than the typical journey that I think my grandparents had anticipated. I don't want to sound like I'm uh, Frank Sinatra here, but in a way, I kind of had to do it my way. But I ended up having to really do it God's way in the process. The School of Hard Knocks teaches you a lot of things, and it probably helped me more in my ministry than having that had I lived in this cocoon world of church to a Christian college to a Christian seminary to being in a small town in the Midwest being the pastor of a church I don't think I would have done well is as I look back and, and knowing the kind of personality that I had in my younger years I think I would have been easily overwhelmed so for me, I'm sure that my grandparents, in particular, well, when I decided, and there's another anniversary this year too, and I've mentioned it before, it was 50 years ago, while I was still a senior in high school, that I got my first paying job in a radio station. I'd love the idea of working in radio for several years before that. I just that that became my goal and my quest, and this is what I wanted to do. I know that when I was younger I probably wanted to be a fireman or an, or in the marines or or whatever kids want to do the navy an airline pilot you know all those jobs but somehow as I got into high school and trying to grasp who I am and what what things do I like electronics is one thing that I loved it was my hobby And I found myself often listening to the radio more than watching television. And being raised as a youngster near the city of New York, you got to hear some of the finest radio stations in the nation. I knew then to get into radio was going to be hard. Especially in an area like metropolitan New York. Everybody wants to work there and everybody needs to you know they can they can choose the best of the best to work in a city like that. I was blessed because we moved to a smaller town about six hours drive away from New York City. Up near Rochester, New York, in a small community. And it was there that I began my radio career at a little top 40 radio station. Now, had I thought over those years, had I talked to even my pastor when I was, let's say, a junior in high school about the ministry, I know that I did, but it just never, how do I put this? It, it, The door never seemed to be open. I just wasn't sure if I wanted to go to a four-year college and then more seminary and You know, what if it's the wrong path for me? Then how do I start over? How do I know that I know that this is where God wants me? And so the more I pursued ministry when I was 17 and 18, getting ready to do that kind of study, the more the doors seemed to be closed for me. There were some issues within our family that were going to make that possibility a little bit more difficult. I'm not even going to go into them right now, but there was some turbulence at that time. And the best thing that I could do, 50 years ago, on the 5th of July in 1972, was know that to know that I'd be working all that summer, saving every bit of money that I could, and prepare to to leave to leave that little community in upstate New York, and head out and be on my own. I was 17 when I left. I didn't turn 18 until, you know, middle October. And here I am at 17, realizing things at home were not as good as they should be. And so with all the hours that I could get from the radio station, filling in for summer vacations and and what have you, I was working six and sometimes seven days a week. I even did split shifts where I came in in the morning and then worked later in the afternoon and evening just to fill in for people. And I I kept working and tucking that little bit of money away. Little did I know how much I was going to need it. I had assumed a few things in this transition in my life that, didn't pan out. And so I worked 50 years ago. I can remember I'd worked the 4th of July till well into the evening. Then I'm back in early in the morning. That's just how it was back then. And I loved it. And, and it kept me out of you know, some of the things going on at home. My brother David got married later that summer. I was his best man. And after that, in August, I was just starting to gradually get all my personal things together and slowly started filling up the back end of my tiny little car. Getting ready for that day at the end of August when I would get my final paycheck and the next morning head out to Ohio and try to find a place to live and, and then pay some tuition And begin a, an, an entirely new chapter in my life Now, I, I mentioned all that, like I say, that's 50 years ago But even when I went to to that electronic school There was still that inner voice inside saying You're mine, you are marked But I could never see how I'm going to end up in the ministry Now, a little bit of irony the pastor that I had talked to in my little town in upstate New York about the ministry who was encouraging me diligently to, to consider one of the you know denominations, junior colleges or the full college, whatever the case may be. He ended up taking a call from our little town in upstate New York to a church in North Olmstead, which is near Cleveland, Ohio, where he was a native. And at that time, I was living in Cuyahoga Falls. And, and I remember one Sunday, I had looked at the library at the Yellow Pages to get an address for that church. Yeah, that's we didn't have computers back then, remember? And then I had my you know, fold-out road map. And I decided one Sunday I'm going to visit that pastor up in Cleveland. And so I, I'm counting my change to make sure I have enough money to put a, a couple of gallons into the car and and a little something for the offering plate. That's all I worried about at that point. I just paid my school bill, and I just paid my, my rent where I'm staying at, so I didn't have a whole lot of money left. And I just started a new job to help make ends meet. And I can remember... I can remember driving up to Cleveland, Ohio, and then off to North Olmsted. And I went to that church. It was an older church building that at one time had a school, but it was in a, even in 1972, a part of town that was having urban flight. A lot of boarded up windows, even in 1972. And, and the church this church that had been so well known by this pastor in his younger days is really in its decline, and he pastored there for for many decades, keeping it glued together. And I, I remember talking to him after the service, and he was asking, you know, how, he was surprised to see me, and wondered how I ended up getting there. And I told him I was going to school down in Cuyahoga Falls, and you know, he just kind of said, "Well, do you still think you want to do the ministry?" I said, certainly, but I just don't see any way to do it. I just didn't. And so at that point in my life, at that point, I figured the call must be for somebody else. And so instead, I began to embark in a different direction. I followed my heart's desire to be a radio announcer, And ultimately, I figured out it was more stable in the industry to be a chief engineer than it is to be a radio announcer. Oh, there's some radio announcers that make lots of money, but they're very few and far between. And they work in cities like New York or Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, Miami, and just a handful of others. Maybe Boston, Washington. But they don't make the big dollars in Toccoa, Georgia. They don't make the huge money in communities like Newark, New York. You make a, um, I would say, even a below average wage in some of those communities. And so I worked hard to get up up the ladder in radio. I worked a number of small markets, developed my skills, ended up on the air in a major market. But even then... I just felt a, an insecurity in this kind of work, that there's always two or three people gunning for your job, because they want to break out of a medium market or a small market and come to a bigger market, and, and they might be better than you, and, and all it takes is one bad rating book, and you might not have a job, or maybe they need to do a format change. Maybe the entire station goes through a facelift, and you're no longer needed. So during that time, I decided to change my skills again. I left a major market for a smaller market. The money was okay. It required my wife to work to help make ends meet. And there I began the process of how do I make the transition from being a radio announcer to a broadcast engineer? And I did. took several years, but I did. And I found stability for the longest period of time in the engineering side of the business. And that's where I thought I would be for the rest of my life, in the radio business until I retired. But God had other plans. You know, that ministry calling, yeah, it was really there the whole time. I just didn't know when or how. But God already did. Even at the times that I had no clue of how he would do any of this, the plan was already unfolding. And I didn't even see it. Sure, I learned a lot of great things. I I left being working in a radio station to work for a an equipment manufacturer, which then introduced me to missionary radio and also shortwave radio. I really didn't know much about it, but man, I learned a lot about it then then off to a Bible college to develop and expand their radio ministry. And and even and I thought, Lord, maybe this is the ministry you've really called me to, to Christian radio. And for the next 14 years, that's exactly what I did, working for this one place in Georgia, my wife's hometown, Toccoa, Georgia, And from there, one radio station became 10 owned radio stations over several years, a satellite network. We were reaching untold numbers of people from the little town of Toccoa, Georgia. I became a consultant to the denomination in which I was raised as a child. Now, remember, I was raised Missouri Synod Lutheran, though over the years I had visited and been involved with the Jesus movement uh, some Baptist churches Assembly of God I was all over the road and all over the map for a number of years just trying to find where God wanted me and and to show you how God works we were getting ready to buy a used transmitter because we had bought a radio station that had a really bad unreliable, transmitter at its at its tower and I wanted to get a new one but I wasn't we didn't quite have the budget we paid a lot of money for the radio station and I didn't want to spend too much and I was talking to an engineer friend that said there's a transmitter he told me what it was and I'm going that'd be ideal for what I need and the price was right but I can remember the college president insisting that I go look at it before we bought it. Now, remember, we're buying this thing on the cheap from a major market station in St. Louis. Transmitter's only a handful of years old, but they had just gone through a. They have a power increase coming, and they need the room. And so I went and looked at it. It looked great, and it was on its way within days to to Georgia. But while I was there, I took the time to visit the seminary Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, and even their Christian radio station, KFUO, in St. Louis. And I got into a conversation with one of their people, and when he found out what I was doing, he said, can you, can you help us develop some things we're trying to do here? The next thing I knew, for the next two years, I was a consultant for my own church body, a paid consultant. I'm thinking then, God, is this the work that you had in mind for me? And I realized, no, not exactly. It's amazing. That experience caused something, another chain reaction event to happen a few years later. I resigned my position with my church body because I felt that they were not being good stewards, In developing their ministry, and they don't need me to be another financial burden if they're not going to be building and doing what they should be doing, at least the way I've been doing it for the college, and we were growing. And that put me in kind of a strange position with my own church body. I felt like an outcast. I, I just felt as much as I I loved the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I was an active layman for years. At that point, I'm, you know, in my 40s now, early 40s. Maybe not quite 40, probably 38 or 39. I decided it was getting harder and harder to go to that church. And one day I'm looking at the little newspaper in Toccoa, Georgia, called the Toccoa Record. Comes out once a week. On Wednesday. And there was a little ad. A little tiny ad. in I can't even remember what page it was on. Maybe the church page. That's when a lot of these little newspapers had a church page. And there was there's, there's this little ad. For a St. Stephen's. Traditional. Liturgy type church. Forming. And they were meeting. At a hotel conference room. On Sunday mornings. I didn't think much about it, but it did intrigue me. You know, historic liturgy, this, that, and the other. Those little, those terms resonated to me. And and as as we got into the fall of that year, I'd see that ad about every so often, I'd I'd get the paper and I'd see the ad. And I kept saying, one of these days, I'm going to check it out. One of these days, I'm going to call. Well, one Sunday morning, It was the first Sunday in Advent, those four Sundays before Christmas. And for those that come out of a traditional liturgical background, it's the beginning of a new church year. And that morning, that morning I got up, my wife was a little bit under the weather. And I got ready to go to church, leaving her behind. And I get in the car And I remember the service times are roughly the same. And as I'm coming out of our neighborhood, instead of making the right turn to head out Big A Road, that's what it's called in Tacoa toward the church that I had attended, that I'd been on the building committee for the building they had, and other things, I just took a left turn instead and went the other direction toward where that hotel is. And I got there hesitant, and I went in, I saw a small group assembling in this room, not many at all, and I quietly took my place. And when that service was over, I knew that I was home. I knew that there was something about this particular church and the way they worshiped and what I heard in a very inspiring message. This is where good preaching, solid theology, and holding on to a tradition passed down from the apostles to this day, in many ways, came together. And I knew I found a new church home. And I was very content working for a Christian college and now in a church that really fed me every Sunday. Where I didn't feel like an outcast. Little did I know what was going to happen next. Now, right now, I'm going to take a break. And when I get back, I'm going to share a little reminder from my childhood of that call that God had placed on me, on my heart, on my mind to to serve him in ministry And how all the experience that I had gained up until that point in the very early 1990s came together to open a door that otherwise would have been shut for me for, just wouldn't have never opened. And how by God's grace, one step at a time, I got to that place that God had called me to be. Now, by the way, I really believe this radio program, even though sometimes we deal with a lot of secular issues, And I've got some important things to share later this week in that regard. Stories that I'm working on. The program Truth to Ponder is just a part of a larger ministry for me. I just believe that we have media you can't trust anymore. Even Fox News at times can be iffy with their daytime reporting. Some of their nighttime programs are not bad, but I'm becoming less and less enamored by the Fox News I once knew 5, 10, 15, yes, even 25 years ago. So I'm not as impressed with Fox or even Newsmax. And of course, the mainstream media forget it. And then trying to find things online is not easy either, because there's a lot of, you know, fake sites out there that that are clickbait, and they target people that are conservative and give them uh, stuff to share it's all clickbait and most of the stories are not even true something else I want to deal with later this week so I believe part of my ministry is to share the truth but also to prepare God's people for the time we're about to enter we are already in a time of difficulty you know it and I know it and it's not getting better anytime soon And so I encourage you to stay with this program and share it with others. We're going to be getting into some stories later this week that you need to know about. And I'm I'm just trying to put the complex into simple terms you can understand. And as you see things unfold, you know that we're coming closer to that day when our Lord Jesus shall return. Now, do you believe in the ministry that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? I know I've gone on a long time about where God has placed me and, and hopefully as I finish the program today you'll have a much better understanding of who I am and why we do why we do this radio show every day and what I believe God is calling us to do going forward. Can you help us pay for the shortwave airtime? If you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248. And the city is in Crestview, one word, Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That zip code again, 32536. And I also need your prayers during this time. Once again, that health issue I'm I'm facing, it, it, it got better and now it's getting worse again. So it's hard to say where all this is heading. But your prayers are coveted. And as I learn more, I have an appointment now with a doctor next week. So I'll try to keep you up to date. It makes me tired. I feel like I'm just wrung out right now and worn out. Trying to get our home sold and, and all that goes with it. And then this health thing just popping in, and it's just been very debilitating. So keep me in your prayers. A new way to support us, if you prefer, if it's easier, go to our website, truth2ponder.com. That's truth2ponder.com. And if you look for the tab that says support, you're going to find that you can help us out using a ministry called Give, Send, Go. It's the it's a free Christian crowdfunding site. And if you you can you can support us from there. And if you're still using PayPal, if that's easy for you. If we're still using PayPal. You'll find it there as well. Your support is appreciated, and I'm going to thank you in advance.
1: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman, the Yud of repentance coming up. Shalom alechem. this is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn. your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can, so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. The Messiah said that not one jot or tittle will perish from God's word. Now the jot was the Hebrew letter Yud, it's a small stroke, it pretty much looks like an apostrophe, but it's real important. The Yud is the letter that begins the word Israel, Yisrael, Jehovah. Yehovah, or even Jesus, Yeshua. That's something real important, particularly with regard to repentance and breakthrough. See, if you look at all that call to do, it can seem overwhelming. If you look at your life, the life that you're to live, your calling, your, the life of victory and holiness and right, it can look overwhelming, out of reach to you. Even to repent, to break that sin, it can seem overwhelming. That's where you have to remember the yud. The yud is the smallest of letters, yet it begins some of the most important words in Hebrew. In fact, it's the yud that begins most of the blessings God has for his people. Even the ironic blessing, every blessing in it begins with the yud. So remember, the blessings God has for you begins with the yud, the smallest things. Your life of victory and righteousness begins often with the smallest step. Take the the first step. Don't look at the whole journey. You can't walk a whole journey today, but you can take the first step. You can't complete a life of repentance today or a life of victory, but you can take the yud of repentance, the yud of victory, the yud of holiness, the first step, the first step of victory. Remember, most of the blessings of God begin with the yud, the same with you. One small stroke. Take one small stroke for righteousness today. My friend, take one small stroke of repentance, of victory, of new beginnings, and you will live a life of blessings. For most of God's blessings begin with the Yud. Want more? Ask for Inherit the Land. Now, what if you could receive daily vitamins guaranteed to strengthen your spiritual walk with God? A free subscription, gift subscription to Sapphire's Daily Spiritual Vitamins for Victoria's Walk with God, and updates on Israel World Events and Prophecy, and the Mystery of the Temple Door. It's all free. You'll love it. How do you get it free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. So, to receive your free gifts, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, you can actually spread salvation around the world for very little. Through shortwave radio from the Arctic Circle to Israel, it's amazing. It's like sending a billion tracks around the world. The farthest way you can ever touch the world for the gospel. To find out, just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can be part. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy box. 1111 Lodi L-O-D-I New Jersey 07644 That's the Nice Jewish Boy Box 1111 Lodi L-O-D-I New Jersey 07644 Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Take the first step, my friend. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you in Messiah. Yeshua. Tenu, that's with a Yud. Yeshua, our salvation.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of this uh, very special edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I'm not having any big celebration today. Just not able to do it. But today, marked, as I've mentioned, if you're just tuning in, today marks the 25th anniversary of my ordination to the ministry. It's one of the most important days of my life, and this, and this summer marks the 50th anniversary of my entry into a broadcasting career. So a lot to celebrate this summer. I want to take you back in time. As I said, today's program, I'm just kind of reflecting on how I got to where I am today, and, and even why I do this radio program. And so, I'm asking you're in. You're indulging me a little bit today as I share from my heart a little bit of who I am. The melody you hear underneath my voice right now is a hymn from the Lutheran hymnal that I was raised with way back in the 1950s and 60s. And and this hymn, One Sunday, uh, this this story, one of these things you just never forget. I'm not even sure how old I was, but, but I know that I wasn't all that old. Maybe fourth grade, I'm thinking. I attended a, a school, a Lutheran school in Long Island, which meant that we studied our faith and the Bible and prayed and all those things that by 1962 you couldn't do much anymore in the United States. We, can, we still did. I was actively involved in choirs. So the music of the church became a real large part of who I am to this day, especially some of the classic music of the church. And and I was one of those maybe different kind of kids. I, I actually paid attention to a lot of the sermons that I heard. Now there I don't remember any of them really, except for a handful. From my childhood, but those that I remember impacted my life. During the summertime, our grandparents, my my grandparents lived about, you know, a half hour's drive away on the north shore of Long Island. And we spent our summers there. And because there was a beach and we got to swim and we learned how to be responsible and even trained to be lifeguards and all the stuff that goes with it. And take care of a beach That was our summertime, and of course, every Sunday morning during the summer, we went to church at at my grandparents' church, which was also a Lutheran church, and and I remember one Sunday morning, we had Hymn 400. I, I can still remember that to this day, and the melody you're hearing or heard was the one for Take My Life and Let It Be. Now, I know a lot of you know it. To a different melody the same words but that's the melody that i grew up with as a child and and i don't remember if it was the opening it was it was the hymn around the sermon or or the closing hymn but for some reason that hymn just resonated with this young kid sitting in a pew in manhasset long island new york when, when we got home that afternoon, my grandparents had a couple of hymnals because they used to get up in the morning and do morning devotions and even sing hymns. And so we got home on this Sunday afternoon. My grandmother's making lunch. And we can go down to the beach if we want, maybe take in a swim or something. But I couldn't do it. I, I just... I had to get a hymnal and open it up to Hymn 400. And there I spent I don't know how many hours that afternoon, that Sunday afternoon, sitting in a chair, reading that hymn and trying to memorize each and every verse. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow with ceaseless praise. And those words of that hymn, they just kept resonating and resonating the more I read and the more I tried to memorize each and every line. And so the way I can remember hearing the hymn, it probably, it probably back in 1965 or 1966, whatever the year it was, this is probably what it sounded like to me at that church on that particular Sunday morning.
2: The
1: Lord to, thee. Take my and my in
0: to this day, I never have understood why I felt so compelled to memorize that hymn. Now, learning memory verses was something I had gotten pretty used to going to a Christian school. I can remember I didn't like it much What what young child wanted to have to memorize something And then the next day be able to repeat it back It's something I wasn't that good at at the time But as I got older It got a little bit easier And for me to want to sit down and memorize a hymn Was just almost out of character for me Because of, you know, memory work Things we had to do back then But I'm so thankful to this day. I am so thankful to this day for all the memorization I I ever had to do on verses of Scripture and even some of the hymns that I, I know by heart without even having to open up the hymnal, play the first two notes, and I'm ready to sing along from memory. One thing I've learned And it's been a huge help in my ministry, those formative years of my youth. A lot of those Bible verses will come rushing back whenever I need them. Whether I'm sharing with somebody personally or even preaching, all of a sudden, there is a reminder of what God's Word has to say on a particular topic. So I want to just kind of fast forward a little bit. On this story, I kind of shared my my life growing up in a Christian school and then uh, getting into radio, eventually getting married, and then working for Toccoa Falls College. And it was during that 14-year stretch at Toccoa Falls when I discovered a different church, which was an Anglican church, very traditional one I might add, very Bible-believing, God began to do a work, and I didn't initially see it. I love my job with the college. I I just really did. I I really enjoyed the work that I did. And and I couldn't imagine me going anywhere else at that point. But now I'm involved with this church. And and so I I become a full member confirmed in the faith. And then somebody suggested you ought to be you ought to be a, a lay reader. You've got a good voice. Okay, so I was licensed as a lay reader. And then. Then one day somebody said, You ought to consider being an ordained deacon. Now that's a little different than a deacon in a Baptist church. It's it is a it's considered an ordained clergy position. Not a full clergy position. You know, it's it's a lesser ministry. And I I, I considered it, talked to several people, made some did some travel, and a couple about a year later I was ordained a deacon. And at that point, I thought, "Hey, this is it. I have arrived. This is the call. This is the ministry. I already figured it out." You know how this goes. I got figure it figured out, Lord. You want me to work here at the college and be a deacon and help with mission churches around the area. I got it, and we'll live happily ever after here in Toccoa, Georgia. That wasn't to be. Instead, instead i I was helping a church for many, many months in a little town in North Carolina, about a three-hour drive from our home. For 18 months, my wife and I would drive up to this, this church after I was ordained a deacon because they didn't have a clergyman. They were a small, older congregation that had nobody. And I was asked to take care of it for a while, when their clergyman had passed away. And that little while became 18 months and it was during those that time that that my my bishop said, "You know, I really think God has called you to a full ministry." I was hesitant because I knew there'd be a lot of study and a lot of work and I didn't know if I could pull it off while still working for the college. I mean, I'm the director of engineering for a growing radio ministry. Now, thankfully, everything was working extremely reliably. And so after talking with the college president and my wife, I decided to give the study a try. The worst that would happen is maybe within a year I would realize this is not for me. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, and nothing terrible to lose. Actually, nothing to lose. So I began to apply myself, and I traveled a lot to various churches and places and, and work using the college library and professors and, and courses, started working toward the fullness of, of being ordained. And God must have given me superhuman strength and incredibly good eyes because I made it through in far less time than I thought it was going to take me far less time than anybody thought it was going to take me. And I can remember it was probably in May, May of 1997, that I realized that I've completed everything. I have all the the work done that was required, this equivalence of like almost three years of seminary. I got it done in in, in a year and a half. And the date was set for my ordination. Now, I was excited, but I was also a little bit saddened because initially it was going to occur in the state of Georgia. And I knew that for my my brother David, my sister Marie, my grandmother, who is now like 96 or 97, they would not be able to make the trip to Georgia. And then something happened and it became possible for this ordination to be moved out of state. And it was moved to Maryland. About a mile and a half from where my grandmother was now living in an assisted living facility. The town in which my sister lived and my brother lived not that far away in northern Virginia. My father was able to make it down From upstate New York. And so. My family. My wife. On a warm day. On the 5th of July. Gathered at this church. In Timonium, Maryland. I was presented as a candidate. For ministry. And ordained that day. I look back now. Only God could have run interference to make that happen for me. And over the next year or so, my life went through some dramatic changes. My bishop thought I should be in full-time ministry, that I I shouldn't be, you know, just part-time. Yet, how would I afford to do that? And once again, God Opened Another Door. I want to share this little two-minute hymn here. This is another one that has had a great impact on my life, and it kind of sums up what I ended up having to do at that crossroad that came in the summer of
2: 1998. Hark the voice of Jesus calling who will go and work today. Fields are ripe and harvest waiting, Who will bear the sheaves away? Loud and long the Master calls you, Rich reward he offers free, Who will answer gladly saying, Here am I, send me, send me. If you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus, you can say He died for all. If you cannot rouse the wicked to the judgments dread alarms, you can lead the little children to their saviour's waiting arms if you cannot be a watchman standing high on zion's wall pointing out the path to heaven, offering life and peace for all. With your prayers and with your bounties, you can do what God demands. You can be like faithful Aaron, holding up the prophet's hand. Let none hear you widely saying There is nothing I can do While the multitudes are dying And the master calls for you Take the task he gives you gladly Let his work your pleasure be Answer quickly when he calls you and my send me
0: send me There is one lesson I learned in the early part of my ministry that many people never learn in an entire lifetime, especially those that have a call on their life to serve and do something. We oftentimes look with our own eyes, our own bank accounts and our own intellect to determine if something can or cannot be done in God's kingdom. We, we don't really trust Him to make things happen. And I was just as guilty as anybody else. Early in my ministry, what did I know? I'd spent a lifetime working and providing for my family, trying to keep our heads above water in some lean years, So this concept of God's provision of really putting to work this verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things the Gentiles seek shall be added unto you, was something I never really put into practice. God was always there to provide a way, and I sometimes didn't even see it. I was encouraged, starting in about the spring of 1998, to consider becoming a pastor of a church or a mission. Now, I made we made some travel. We actually traveled around Florida and a few other places my wife and I at the at the behest of of my overseer, my bishop, who wanted me to see which church might fit. There was one that had a beautiful building and a small Congregation, one with a big congregation and money to build a building, and one that had neither. A small congregation with no money. And that's the one that God just laid on my heart. This is the one you're going to have. This is it. You need to take this one. The ones that were nearby. No, no that, that, they're, they're, those doors just fell closed. And, and I can remember saying, Lord, I want to take this church, but how do I... I own this this house in Georgia, I can't make a house payment and pay rent. How am I gonna do this? And this church can't pay anything. And if I work a full-time job, it's gonna be so difficult to build your church. One of the most godly men I ever knew in my life, Dr. Paul Offer, president of Toccoa Falls College at the time that I worked there. And he and I had had a very unusual relationship. We got along quite well as the years went by. And he's a man after God's own heart. He had been a missionary himself. He knows that call. He knows you can't say no. And so I went to talk to him about this this real leading I had to take this church, take this church in in a town in Florida, And, you know, get rid of the safety net of the college's income and serve God's people in that place with like no income. And I remember Dr. Alford saying, do you really believe that God is leading you there? And I said, yeah, I do. But I don't know how to make ends meet. I've told this congregation that I would be willing to come. And I have to give them a final decision very, very soon that I am coming or they're going to have to do something else. Dr. Alford just said, pray about it. Come back to me as soon as you can and tell me what your final decision is. And so I did. My wife and I talked about it. We prayed about it and decided that's where I needed to be at that place in Florida and trusting God. So I went and told the college president two days later that my decision was to go to to go to Florida and try to salvage a dying mission. And he said, so what you have any concerns? I said, well, of course I do, but I'm going to go anyway. And then he smiled and said, well, you don't have anything to worry about. He said, you've been here 14 years. You built us a network. You have taken us to a place we never thought we would be. How would you like to remain on the payroll with benefits for the next, I think it was like two years? And be a consultant. I, I'm sure you can come and visit us here in Tacoma a couple of times a year, which I knew we could. And we knew we do have that radio station in Florida that's not that far from where you live that needs some major upgrades. God made a way when there seemed to be no way. And three weeks later, I preached my first sermon at that church in Florida. And during the next several years, we saw phenomenal growth. We went from a storefront church to having our own building, property, everything. And I've seen a lot of that in my ministry. I've also seen where churches have failed later on. i will talk about that some other day. When they're not faithful to their true calling, Even a successful church can implode. My calling in life is to still be in ministry. I'm talking to other people that are clergy. How do we prepare God's people for the world in which we now live, which is not the same world in which you and I knew a decade ago, five decades ago or more? It is truly a different world. This radio program is just one of the outreaches that I have. And I'm praying that the Lord will will take care of my health and sustain me so I can help others in their journey to fulfill the calling that God has on their life in ministry. See, the church is the living body of Christ on this earth. The ecclesia, those that are called out. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ. Not me, not my bank account, nothing else. I'm just a servant, even though I'm now in a position of leadership within a small church denomination. And I'm seeing God calling us to do some unusual and incredible things in this most unusual and incredible time. I need your prayers for my health, for guidance and direction in all that God is asking me to do. I need your prayers now more than I've ever needed them before since the beginning of this program on the last day of August, that, which was a Monday two years ago in 2020, as we embarked together on a journey that I didn't know how long it would last. And here we are on the verge of being two years in doing Truth to Ponder. And I still feel the need for this program to continue. Shortwave airtime is not free. Would you help us, please, in getting ourselves paid up with our shortwave? If you can help us, you can either go to the website and use our new service, Give, Send, Go. You'll find that on the support tab at truth2ponder.com. Or write a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio. And you can send that to truth2ponder.com. To 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. city is Crestview, one word. Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That zip code again in Crestview, Florida is 32536. Thank you for listening and thank you for praying for me, as we continue in this work God has given us to do.
1: This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.